This is DW News live from Berlin. Russian President Vladimir Putin speaks out on the standoff over Ukraine. He says the U.S. is ignoring Moscow's security concerns, but signals Russia's ready for another round of negotiations. Also coming up, attacks on churches are on the rise in India. New laws cracking down on religious conversion are emboldening right-wing Hindu groups. And Christian leaders fear harassment or even jail. And outrage as a fourth journalist is killed in less than a month in Mexico. The government is under growing pressure to step up protection for reporters. Plus, an icy road to the Beijing Winter Olympics as countries are staging a diplomatic boycott over human rights. And some Olympic teams are also already testing positive for coronavirus as infections in China increase. I'm Gerhard Elfers. Welcome to the program. Russia's President Vladimir Putin has accused the U.S. and its allies of ignoring Moscow's security concerns in his first public remarks on the standoff over Ukraine in weeks. He said the West was using Ukraine to hinder Russia's development. Putin signaled he was ready to continue negotiations, but so far neither side has been willing to budge on their positions. For weeks, he has left the talking to others. But now, President Vladimir Putin has accused the United States of trying to drag Russia into conflict. The United States' most important goal is to contain Russia. That's the thing. In this sense, Ukraine itself is just a tool to achieve this goal. This can be done in different ways. One of them is to draw us into armed conflict. Across the border in Kiev, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson offered a show of support to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Johnson warned that war would be a lose-lose outcome. Russian invasion of Ukraine would be a political disaster, a humanitarian disaster. In my view, it would also be, for Russia, for the world, a military disaster as well. And... Uh, it, uh, the uh, potential invasion completely uh, flies in the face of President Putin's claims to be acting in the interests of the Ukrainian people. Ukraine is not completely relying on diplomacy to protect them. President Zelensky announced a huge addition to his nation's army. We will create a new political cooperation format in Europe between Ukraine, Great Britain and Poland. Within the next three years, we will increase the number of the Ukrainian armed forces by 100,000 professional soldiers. In a video released just hours before Boris Johnson's visit, soldiers tested rocket artillery systems just north of the Crimean Peninsula, which Russia invaded and annexed from Ukraine in 2014. Both sides are preparing for war, while the diplomats try to make peace. Well, for more on this, I'm now joined by our correspondent Matthias Berlinger in Kiev. Matthias, how were President Putin's remarks received in Ukraine? Well, 
Putin has had a few uh, remarks about Ukraine in the recent month. He has also elaborated on his historical view, has, uh, has called Ukrainians and Russians, of, has said they, they had been being in a, in a historic union. They were brotherly peoples and uh, has justified his, his, his claims on Ukraine by these historic, um, uh, uh, these historic claims. Uh, all this has not been received very well in Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainians see themselves as very distinct of Russians and increasingly so while the country was 20 years ago still divided on, of whether, uh, on whether it should be leaning towards Russia rather or to the West. This has dramatically shifted in the past few years, especially since uh, 2014, since these proxy wars in uh, the Donbass where Russia is engaged and since the seizure of Crimea. And uh, the Unsurprisingly, Ukraine is looking for other uh, allies to help itself uh, protect, uh, to protect itself. And uh, that is, of course, uh, and for that, Ukraine is looking to the West. So uh, um, uh, in polls, there's a clear majority now uh, saying that Ukraine should join the NATO. Of, of, uh, of course, this is not on the table right now, but this is the direction where Ukraine is heading. Now, in Pre President Putin's view, uh, Ukraine has become a tool for NATO members to be used against Russia. How does Ukraine respond to that? Yeah, as I said, uh, it has uh, the, the, the uh, majority of Ukrainians is now favoring uh, a membership in NATO. And uh, this is uh, something that... Um, is uh, very important for, for, for many here and uh, uh, Ukrainians do not see themselves as a tool but they see themselves as a nation that is choosing its allies according to uh, their own necessities. Mm. Well, Ukrainian President Zelensky has announced an increase in uh, uh, Ukrainian troop numbers. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, there is uh, going to be a reform, according to the president of the Ukrainian army. The Ukrainian army is now a conscript army. There are conscripts and there are professional soldiers. The number is about 250,000 currently serving, plus another uh, 100,000 plus, uh, plus uh, who, ha who are, have combat experience but who are currently in reserve. And uh, Zelensky has announced that he will enlist more uh, professional soldiers and might phase out conscription um, and uh, one of the things he has announced is to make army service more attractive by raising the payment of soldiers that is the most important part Matthias Berlinger there for us in Kiev thank you Matthias let's have a look now at some of the other stories making headlines around the world President Umaru Sissoko Mbalo of Guinea-Bissau has issued a statement saying he is safe and that calm has returned to the West African nation. His statement came after heavy gunfire erupted in the capital. Security forces reportedly repelled an attack on a government compound. In the U.S., pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical companies BioNTech and Pfizer are seeking emergency authorization for a vaccine developed for children under the age of five. If approved, this weaker version of the vaccine would be the first to be made available in the U.S. to children above the age of six months. Have, um, 
The World Health Organization, meanwhile, has warned countries not to lift all their COVID-19 restrictions at once. The head of the WHO said Omicron should not be underestimated and cautioned that the virus is continuing to evolve. A Dutch publisher has halted printing of a new book which suggests it was a Jewish notary who betrayed diarist Anne Frank to Nazi forces in World War II. The author's research has been fiercely criticized by academics and historians. The publisher apologized, saying they should have taken a more critical stance. To India now, where there has been a rise in the number of attacks on churches and Christian gatherings. They are being carried out by right-wing Hindu groups emboldened by new laws that crack down on religious conversion. Critics say these groups are abusing the laws to push their own agenda, often facing no consequences themselves. DW Delhi correspondent Nimisha Jaswal traveled to the town of Hubali in the, the southern state of Karnataka to meet a pastor who has shut down his church in the face of continued abuse. The highlight of Pastor Somu Avradi's week has always been the Sunday service. But now he's praying alone at his church in Hubli. It is the first time he has been back in more than three months. Last October, as the pastor was on his way to the church, he received urgent phone calls warning him that volunteers linked with Hindu right-wing groups were disrupting the Sunday prayer gathering there. They had barged in and started loudly chanting Hindu hymns. When the pastor arrived to question them, they claimed that they had proof he had tried to forcefully convert a Hindu man in their midst. The pastor said he'd never met the alleged victim before. Yet he was still taken to the police station on charges of verbally abusing a man from a protected caste. I was the one who called the police. I was going to file a case against them, but they pushed me aside and started beating me. They beat seven members of my church. They entered the police station and abused and threatened me. No action has been taken against the Hindu group. It was the pastor who spent 11 days in jail and he continues to face charges. It didn't end there. The pastor's family was terrorized in their neighborhood. Their landlord threatened with harm if he didn't evict them. They were forced to move. They also had to pull their daughter out of school because she was being bullied. My children's classmates were harassing them, taunting them that their father had been sent to prison. My children were embarrassed. I had to pull them out of school. They haven't been able to return. Over the last year, Christian groups have reported a spike in similar attacks and harassment in Karnataka, especially after plans for a new law were announced. The state of Karnataka is in the process of passing an anti-conversion law which targets conversions considered fraudulent or forced. But the definition of what is illegal is very broad and the punishments very strict. Right-wing Hindu groups here strongly support the law. Manjunath Hibsur was amongst the men who stormed Pastor Avaradi's church. He alleges that Christian congregations like Avaradis brainwash Hindus into rejecting their religion or offer financial incentives to convert. The law, he says, will give them strong grounds to put an end to this. Once the law comes, we can demolish these churches. We are already prepared to demolish them, but we are waiting for the law to be passed. Once it is passed, our hands are no longer tied. We are free to take action. We can catch them and report them to the police. And they'll go to prison. For now, Pastor Avradi visits church members at home and only in areas considered safe.
This man and his family were also forced out of their village after the attack on the church. But they say they find comfort in prayer. All they want is the freedom to do so in peace. Well, the W's Delhi correspondent Nimisha Jaswal filed this report and she joins us now from Delhi. Uh, uh, Nimisha, these attacks have been going on for some time. Why is the government not doing more to protect these Christian communities? Well, Gerhard, the simple reason is that the government is often one of those making these allegations. In the case that we just watched, the BJP's elected representative was actually one of the people who led the protests following the pastor's arrest and actually called for action against him. Now, of course, it's important to note here that, the, that India's Christian community is one of the oldest in Asia and dates back centuries. Yet the target of these groups, as well as BJP legislators, is those who were born Hindu and have, and have either officially converted or are covertly believing in Christianity. But, of course, BJP legislators themselves have actually been present or have made speeches that directly call for action and sometimes even violence against these communities. And they are, of course, also pushing anti-conversion laws across the country. Well, tell us more about this, this anti-conversion bill. What's its purpose? Well, to look at the one in Karnataka, Gerhard, interestingly, it's called the Freedom of Religion Bill. And if you look at it simply, it actually just prescribes ways to convert. For example, it says that you should let authorities know a month before converting and also report your conversion a month after it. However, all these reports actually allow for time uh, for time for, for Hindu right-wing groups to attack or abuse these people. So this is generally avoided. In addition, many kinds of conversions are considered fraudulent or forced and can be charged. The word allurement, for example, is used for what is considered illegal and that has such a broad definition that pretty much anyone can be charged with forcing conversions and anyone can report these conversions as well, not just family but neighbours and bystanders too. And strict action is taken against these people. Uh, India has also been recording a rise in attacks on minorities for quite some time. How is this impacting the Modi government's popularity there? Well, while international condemnation and attention has been brought to the fact that attacks on minorities are rising in India, domestically, political analysts believe that this could actually be adding to the Modi government's popularity because of this government's agenda of a Hindu Rashtra or a Hindu nation, which is being promoted not only through policies like these, but also laws and, and as well as silence on attacks on minorities. Now, this, for example, can, can include uh, saying that Christians are forcing conversions or saying that Muslims are marrying Hindu girls and practicing love jihad, all of these allegations demonizing minorities and saying that Hindus are under threat and that Hindus should take over power and should be the, uh, should be the religion that drives the nation. This, of course, plays well amongst the voters for Prime Minister Narendra Modi's government as well. The W's. Nimisha Jaswal there reporting. Thank you very much, Nimisha. Here in Germany, two suspects are being held for the killing of two police officers during a routine traffic stop. Prosecutors believe the hunters shot dead the officers to avoid being caught poaching illegal game. Fatal attacks on police are rare in Germany and the case has caused widespread outrage. The two suspects were arrested on Monday evening. Police searching their homes found a large number of guns. Among them, they believe the weapons that took the lives of two young police officers. 
The main suspect, a 38-year-old man known as a trader in wild game, has so far remained silent. The other man, a 32-year-old, has admitted poaching. But why such deadly violence occurred remains unclear. Prosecutors say the two officers were both shot in the head. The female officer still had her pistol in its holster. She may have had a flashlight in her hand and the papers. She cannot have seen it coming. The officers were on patrol on a country road when the fatal incident happened. They found a number of dead animals in a vehicle and were speaking with the occupants when they were shot. They called for help, but by the time their colleagues arrived, it was too late. Even seasoned investigators say they've been shocked by the killings. It's not our idea of Germany that someone just starts shooting on the street with hunting weapons and opens fire just because he might be caught poaching. That's why this case is so disturbing. Prosecutors say there does not appear to be any political motive behind this crime. The Premier of the state of Rhineland-Palatinate, where the shooting took place, expressed her dismay at the deaths. Every day, police officers are on the streets for us, everywhere, to protect society and to be there for the community. Those who attack these officers are attacking the whole of society. The younger police officer was just 24 years old and still completing her training when she died. That fact can only heighten the sense of disbelief across Germany at this tragic loss of life. One year after the military coup that toppled Myanmar's de facto leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, streets in some main cities were nearly deserted as workers staged a silent strike in defiance of the takeover. Widespread non-violent demonstrations over the past year were met with lethal force and now some pro-democracy protesters are organizing into armed groups. But the junta is determined to hold on to its power. The Myanmar regime's response to popular resistance tells a story of indiscriminate violence. From the first protesters gunned down just days after the military coup, to airstrikes launched in a remote area in December, sending people fleeing into neighboring Thailand. More and more, the conflict is becoming a civil war. And street protesters are deciding to take up arms. We hate the military dictatorship. And we've decided to end it by rooting out the military from the country. We promise to help and try our best to finish them off when the war starts. These anti-coup activists have joined an ethnic rebel group putting their lives on the line against a regime they've sworn to resist. Their decision, a sign of desperation, of having no other option. I see the stage sort of set for a prolonged conflict. Neither side seems willing to back down. Uh, it's just very difficult to see how the conflict um, will, will diminish, uh, will reduce um, in, the, in the near term, even in, you know, over a period of, of several years.
Neither side may be strong enough to win an outright victory, meaning villages and army bases like this one will continue to burn. Let's have another quick look at some of the other stories making headlines. Authorities in Canada have broken up a convoy of trucks that was blocking a major border crossing into the U.S. Truckers staged the protest as part of a larger anti-vaccine demonstration that blocked the roads in the capital of Ottawa over the weekend. A court in Norway has rejected the parole application of mass murderer Anders Breivik, who killed 77 people in an attack in 2011. The far-right extremist is serving Norway's maximum sentence of 21 years under terrorism charges. Supporters of Argentina's government took to the streets to call for the resignation of Supreme Court judges, accusing them of bias and siding with the opposition. The protesters in Buenos Aires also accused them of corruption. The opposition said the demonstrations are an attempt to destabilize the state. Journalists in Mexico are mourning the murder of yet another colleague, the fourth to be killed since the start of the year. Mexico City ranks as one of the most dangerous places in the world for journalists. Reporters are being targeted for exposing corruption at the top. The murders have sparked angry protests and the government is under mounting pressure to make it safer for journalists to do their work. Journalist Roberto Toledo was preparing to record an interview when he was shot. He died from his wounds in hospital. The director of the online paper Toledo worked for, Monitor Michoacán, said the team had been receiving death threats for months. Today, those threats became concrete, exposing corrupt administrations and corrupt officials and politicians today led to the death of one of our colleagues. Toledo's killing follows those of three other Mexican journalists in January 2022 alone. One of them was reporter Lourdes Maldonado López. She was found shot dead in her car in the border city of Tijuana. In 2019, she had appealed to Mexico's president, Obrador himself, after becoming involved in a dispute with a prominent politician and media owner. Mr. President, I've come to ask you for support, help and justice because I fear for my life. The spate of killings has put reporters across Mexico on edge and sparked protests asking the government to step up protection for media workers. The Beijing Winter Olympics are due to open later this week and the U.S. and other nations are staging a diplomatic boycott to protest China, China's human rights record. It means the countries will only send athletes but no government officials. And that's not the only thing casting a chill over the Games. Growing numbers of COVID-19 cases are also worrying athletes and officials there. But Beijing insists the Games will be safe. Arrival at the airport in Beijing. Chinese workers in protective gear welcome the incoming Olympic teams and their baggage. Then it's a PCR test before a trip to the venues in the Olympic Village 
where similar tests are to follow on a daily basis. Caution is the watchword. China's cross-country skiers are being shielded from foreign rivals, their Norwegian coach tells us. With this team, we have been staying in China the full time for the past two years. So um, they have been extremely careful. We haven't actually competed uh, internationally for two years. Of the foreign athletes who have already arrived, 125 have tested positive for COVID-19 and have isolated. It's not clear whether they'll all get the negative test result they need in time to compete. The opening ceremony fireworks have been rehearsed, but critics say that China is using the pizzazz of the games to distract from human rights abuses. So the CCP's purpose is exactly to turn the sports arena into a space for political legitimacy and a tool to whitewash all those atrocities. But China itself boasts of its strength and promises a safe Winter Olympics in Beijing. Sports news and now NFL superstar and seven-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady has confirmed he's retiring at the age of 44. Brady recently hinted that he was considering his future but has now confirmed the end of an astonishing 22-year career. Brady retires as the most successful quarterback in NFL history, having won six Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and a final one with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just last year. And before we go, if you're afraid of flying, maybe you want to look away now. This video shows a rather dramatic landing at London's Heathrow Airport. Or rather a missed landing. A British Airways plane failed to land on first attempt as wind battered the runway. Look at this. The aircraft wheels just touching the ground, but the plane swaying from side to side in the wind, forcing the pilot to head back up into the air. So the good news is the plane managed to successfully land on its second easy, attempt. Easy, 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 Oh, my God! Chilly! This is DW News, and here's a reminder of the top story we're following for you. Russia's President Vladimir Putin has accused the West of ignoring Moscow's concerns about regional security after the US and NATO responded to demands over the Ukraine crisis. The US and Russia have resumed talks with a phone call between Secretary of State Blinken and Foreign Minister Lavrov, but failed to achieve a breakthrough. And that's it from me and the news team for now. I'll have an update for you in half an hour. Don't go away though, stay tuned for Close Up, uh, an episode that looks at housing affordability that's coming up just after a short break. And there's always our website for a lot more news and business stories. That's DW.com. I'm Gerhard Alfers in Berlin. Thanks for watching.
without a home. Close to a million people in Germany are homeless. Even with a job or a pension, they can't afford a permanent place to stay. Their fate is the result of a housing market policy that was doomed to fail. Why isn't more being done to help? Close up. Next on DW. Eco India. Getting rid of dams. And legal rights for rivers. Water scarcity is at an all-time high. And people demand radical solutions. Corporations claim they can handle the crisis, but at what cost? Eco India. In 60 minutes on DW. You don't know how those simple things you miss until they're gone. Feel the magic. Discover the world around you. Subscribe to DW Documentary on YouTube.